good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I guess it's afternoon now. Welcome back to er, early, uh, early evening. Early evening. This is, the, this is the quiet storm. The quiet storm. <laughs> so, welcome back to uh, ninety feet apart on this glorious uh, June eighth. Oh man, it's it's been a week. Let me tell you. But even going back to what you just said, what defi- defines uh, evening and afternoon? Are like late afternoon and early evening. Like, what's the when do you switch it? What's like right. the, what's the prime meridian of <laughs> crossover of time? Prime meridian of crossover of know. time. Did you just make that smart. up? Yeah, uh, it's smart. I saw it on Star Trek. Four fifteen. Uh, I think five. I think once you hit five, you're evening. Four thirty is late afternoon. Mm. Five, so, you have officially at evening. So what about what's the difference between supper and dinner? If you're having supper, mm. is that before four or is it like after five? Yeah, I it- think supper is similar to like a brunch. <laughs> so it's like in between lunch and dinner. Ah. So it's supper. I like it. I like it. <laughs> anyway. That's my guess. So it's been a, a week. We're finally back on schedule for our uh, weekly uh, broadcast and things of that nature. But um, how have you been? What would you do this week? Anything uh, exciting? Absolutely nothing exciting. I started a new job, and uh, that was all doing training and doing research. So I've been at home all week uh, studying away. Is that the kind of job where they uh, you pick like a song, you dance to it, and people throw ones at you? <laughs> no, I wish I had a job yeah. like that. Uh, no, it's uh, it's all working from the house and uh, doing research and nice. providing support to uh, some some different organizations. So. Like underwear. Like a right, no, right and left side, not no, that no, kind no, of support. Not, not, no, not firm support. Um, so, yeah, more, more, more coming forward. It's all getting indoctrinated to the company right now. So, oh, Sherry got a new job too. So, maybe it's a week of new jobs. Sherry would be my wife. Yes. Yeah, and it, oh, it's our anniversary today. And you're here. And well, it's not because of that. It's because there's housework that she wants to get done. So she says the greatest gift I there can is give her. An obvious joke there. I know. But she says the greatest gift I could ever give her on Valentine's Day. And um, there's a chord there. I don't know if you can. Worry, you saw worry that. about that. Just finish your yeah. story. Um, is to do help her do housework and not complain about it. You should I, do that every day, sir. I'll do it, but I complain about it. Is a big yeah. diff. She well, says when, it's, when you I don't, don't do it. Well, exactly. So some, <laughs> so I get my way out of it. But uh, big week for us, uh, though. This week yeah. we uh, officially have a sponsor. We do. We do. Yeah. yeah. And our sponsor is. It's a Ligeti Sports Apparel, uh-huh. Ligeti clothing brand. So uh, they they contacted us and uh, wanted us to speak to it about it's. Uh, I've actually worn uh, some of the things. Actually, did some modeling. Was it support? It, it wasn't that, <laughs> they haven't gotten to that branch uh, uh, just yet. Uh, but no, they're a, a sporting company, uh, clothing apparel. I got deals with uh, McKendry. They do uniforms Excellent. and things of that, and uh, just signed a deal with Coca Cola. Wow. So uh, yeah, their their phrase is uh, uh, "Wear what you love." Oh, wear wear what, what you, you love. love. I like right. that. We should be saying that all the time. And remember to wear what you and love. Remember, maybe if we do, we'll get paid. Uh, that fits very well with the quiet storm. It does. <laughs> Jesus but uh, anyway, so yeah, if you are listeners out there, go ahead and check that out. Uh, Ligety.com. Ligety.com. Yeah, they got sweatpants. How do you spell that? L-I-G-G-T-Y. 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 Okay. Ligety.com. Ligety.com. Where would you look? Yeah. I, I got a couple golf shirts from them. Uh, they're, uh, they're comfortable. Fantastic. It's better than what you think, so definitely give it a check out. But uh, 
So well, well, let's let's get started talking about the the last week in uh, Redbird Nation. There, so do, do we have to? We do because that's kind of <laughs> what we talk about. Rough, rough week. Um, you know, after we talked last time, after coming out of that nineteen game and nineteen day stretch, they had a couple off days, and we were the last time we met was the second day of that off day. So they started a six game road trip. And they went ahead and went one and five on that road trip. Although they did start the road trip off the day that we met last, uh, calling up Jordan Walker. Oh yeah, that's right. They did. Yeah, uh, how did he? Ethan hit. He had a base running snafu. A couple. He hit a four hundred and fifty-eight foot bomb uh, the other night. That was tremendous. Wouldn't it be cool if baseball implemented a rule that, like, there'd be bonus runs the farther it goes? That would be great. Like after, like. You, they should get paid more too. You should. I think you do. You get a bonus. Like four. Like uh, anything just over, like below three hundred is just a uh, or three hundred. Geez, with Little League Park, uh, like <laughs> anything below four hundred is one run. Like four twenty five is like a it. bonus run. I like it. Man, did we just did we just come up with another? You, rule you should change? work in Rob Manfred's office with the, the thoughts I, like that. I so. I applied. Yeah. He said it made too much sense, so yeah. we didn't. He so goes, we got to figure out this pitch clock thing first. Yeah, we'll get back to you, sir. And get get Phil Cuzzy under control. <laughs> so, yeah, called uh, Jordan Walker up after sending him down in the minors to figure out his swing, uh, and Newt Barr went on the, the IL. But, like I said, they went 1-5, and five, uh, got swept by the Pirates, that which hurt. I think that, that hurt. really hurt. I think going into that, there was some hope that uh, that would be a turning point, but it was definitely not that. Then dropped 2-3 of three to the Rangers. Uh, the pitching staff uh, was not that bad. They gave up 23 runs in six games, so averaging under four runs a game, that's that's not bad. That's very winnable baseball. So is it bad now that they were using the quote, it's not that bad, as like in a positive? Instead of like, wow, that was really good, we're saying it's not that no, bad. No, no, I mean, in, in terms of, of pitching staff, under four a game is winnable baseball. Right, that is. But um, I was, I was but just not more, more when, alluding to the uh, "it's not that bad." It's like, well, yeah, yeah. It's well, like I mean, that's like when you go on a blind date. Is she attractive? She's eh, not that bad. Like, like they have a good personality. <laughs> you no, know, I when, don't, when that's I don't think age. it is. I think I think I think it's a reasonable expectation to score to to have your pitching staff keep the opponents to under four. Games. I'd agree with that, and you should be able to win games with that. But you can't when you only score seventeen runs in those six games. That's a problem. Yeah, so you're only averaging you know less than three per game. So. You know, they blew – the one that really hurt was right off the bat, blowing that 5-0 game, 5-0 lead in the uh, first game of the Pittsburgh series. You know, And didn't Pittsburgh score all those runs? In two. The, the two. They scored one in the uh, sixth and six in the seventh. I thought there was a big, big game blow. Where they, we one, were I'm sorry, like one five. in the fifth and, and – Yeah, six in the seventh. Yeah. And I was just like, what in the world? Yeah, it was six and seventh, yes. So it was, it was brutal. Uh, you know, it was a good start by Flaherty. He had a good outing. And then the bullpen came in and just exploded. Then game two, they lost four to three with three unearned runs coming off of errors by Arenado and Mets. So not good baseball fundamentally. Game three, they came out really flat against 42-year-old wonder, Rich Hill, the second coming of Jamie Moyer, <laughs> uh, with their only offense being a late home run by the captain, Andrew Kisner. Oh, he's... <laughs> <laughs> they gave him a captain shirt. In the I saw that. I thought it was a joke. Nice. He's the unofficial captain. We haven't had one since Kimball. Remember, we talked about. We that did one talk about it, but again, I thought it was a joke. Yeah. Like no. maybe, maybe they're making him feel good. I don't know. Maybe they were. Maybe that was incentive that they were going to keep him and not Trace Barrera. So you get a bonus for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 
that was a gutsy outing. Michaelis got hit pretty hard, but he scattered 10 hits over five innings, only gave up a couple runs. So, you know, another very winnable game, but not when you score one run. So they go to Texas. Uh, right before that, they call up Luke and Baker. Luke and another first baseman because we're short on those. Texas and Luke and Baker. That's like Luke and Bach, Luke and Baker. Oh, I didn't think I, no, I didn't. Yeah. Luke and Baker, Have you Texas. been to Luke and Bach? I have been to Luke and Bach. I was really let down. I thought it was going to be like a town, and it's like a lean-to it's, with a bar. It's small, but it's famous. So says uh, Willie and Waylon. And the boys. <laughs> and the boys. <laughs> <laughs> so... We lost that opening game there, four to three. Uh, there was some bad base running, in it, so everybody was getting on uh, Tommy Edmund about that. And I went back and watched that video several times. This is Gorman in front of him or Pop Warner? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, again with yeah, Pop Warner, Doctor so. Kavorkian. <laughs> yeah, he sends them to their death. Uh, I'll tell you, if you look at the film, so the ball was on the infield as Edmund was coming around third. So even if he was looking back, he wasn't going to make it. So he slowed down, and Nolan Arenado ran right up him. So I don't know if there was a, a, a hold sign given Arenado or a go sign given to Edmund that was one of them that wasn't picked up. But that was really, in the end, Edmund had no choice but to head home and get tagged out because Arenado was basically already occupying third. But so, is, isn't that that uh, isn't that why? Uh according to Ali Marmol, that the Cardinals have coaches. It's always a coach's decision Account- and never the player. Accountability. I mean, we found that out the second series, right? Oh, I, right. I think I'm going to bring that up every single show I, I because think it's you are. still pissed. I, I, there's no R. I just did. But it, but it's, I mean, this is another. I just talked a second ago about fundamentals with regards to defensive play. This is another fundamental issue, how to run bases. Um, the yeah. second game of the series, uh, three home runs. Hit three home runs. But not enough. A lot of life, yeah, and then not nothing. enough. Because Libertor kind of had kind of a yuck outing. Was he a bust? Too early. Uh, well, too, early too early to tell. tell. Too early to tell. But you know, he he certainly started off this first couple. His first start looked great, and he's kind of been what he was last year. After that, is potential the most dangerous word in it sports? Is. It is. Yeah. In that game, also the you know the the big hit from Texas came off of a Dallas Garcia. So. You, know, that, that, you say that name like it should mean something <laughs> to me when I'm wearing this yes. Cardinal shirt. He's he's the guy that we sold for cash. Oh, to Texas. Oh, yeah. How I many? Mean, what's what does do we have his RBIs pulled uh, up right now? It's big. Would it's you like for 50. me to pull it up? Over, yeah, I get to that while I summarize. He, he's over fifty though. Um, so then in the last game uh, last night, Flaherty. Uh, does what Flaherty does, throwing 28, 29 pitches in the first inning after getting the first out, walking the bases loaded, and then he gets out of a bases loaded jam. But he picks, he he threw six shutout innings. I mean, that's that's what you. That's, he's the only on this whole, on this entire road trip, he's the only quality start that the Cardinals had was was Jack's six inning gym, and then the <laughs> bullpen. Is it bad if we're calling the six <laughs> inning gym? Yeah, with five walks. Uh, <laughs> The bullpen held on for a 1-0 win uh, with uh, Hicks and Gallegos and Helsley coming in and closing the door. Again, only run coming off a home run. So five of eight runs in that series came off the long ball and 13 of 17 runs in the, in, in the whole road trip coming off home runs. There's no creativity with this ball club. We talked about you know different ways to get offense, and, and it's just a complete reliance on the long ball uh, and, and not a lot of clutch hitting. It's like we said last week. It's a bad American League team, and it's a boring team. Yeah, it's really frustrating to watch. Um, so, you know, I, I've 
been saying for a couple of years, Nolan Arenado is is rough with runners in scoring position. Yeah. So right now, I, I with two out runners in scoring position, he's hitting 167. Is that, not, is that not good? It's not good. Last oh. time I checked, his OPS in innings one through three is 300 points higher than it is in innings four through six and 200 points higher than it is in innings seven through nine. So point being, he's really good early on, but he doesn't finish strong. He's, he's not that guy you're going to count on late in the game with runners in scoring position to come in and knock him in. He's really good with no pressure. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like he wouldn't be a good putter for the Masters? No, to win? it would be no, 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 no. no. So I got those numbers pulled up for yeah. Garcia. Uh, right now, according to BaseballReference.com, what, 15 home runs? 62 hits, 15 home runs, 48, uh, I'm sorry, 52 RBIs yeah, with 48 runs scored. Yeah, that's pretty good. He's got so, uh, OPS of uh, 843. Paul Goldschmidt is Goldschmidt's leaving, leading, I'm sorry, the Cardinals in runs scored. Uh, the Rangers have four guys with more runs than Paul Goldschmidt. Is is that a problem? Yeah, well, I mean, that's how you win games, is scoring runs, is that, typically. Is that a recipe for being yeah. a division leader? And, you know, so Goldsmith's another one. Goldie's another one that I'll harp on and say uh, doesn't come through in the clutch. But if you look at his numbers, his, running, it's, his runners in scoring position numbers are not that bad. They're, you know, 280, 290, 300 in some situations, if, you know, on the, how they vary. But it still seems like every time he comes up in a position that's really important, he doesn't come through. Or he walks. Maybe he walks. You know, but doesn't get that clutch hit. And the Cardinals as a whole, their runners in scoring position numbers and their offensive numbers collectively are not that bad. They're top five to ten in just about everything. That yeah, but, that, it, I think, but it doesn't equate to runs on the field on the, on the scoreboard. Right, and that's one of the frustrating things. You know, it's like you look at that, you break those numbers down like you do, and you're like, so you, you you look at it and you go, why why is the record is what it is? And it's just it it, it is frustrating. So I don't know. Are we being just spoiled Cardinals fans used to being good for a while, or is this just? I don't know. It's it's new territory for me because I don't remember the Cardinals being this bad since Joe Torre in nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, the worst team I remember is the eighty eight team. Eighty eight, eighty nine teams were pretty bad. I was five. Yeah. Well, I'm a little older than you. That's why I have such a beautiful white beard and no uh, ha- and no hair on top of your head. Uh, that's I lost that a long time ago. Um, <laughs> So, so you know, hey, here's one thing to consider. So, who really on this team knows about winning championships? So, you know, the leaders on this team are widely regarded as Arenado and Goldschmidt, whereas last year you had Molina and Pujols and Wayno, and, and Wayno's still here, obviously, but you had that, that triumvirate of, of players with a championship pedigree who've been there and won, right? Fifty percent of them. Who's won in this team right now? Willie McGee. Wayno. Well, he's the coach. But, well, I was just you were but, saying. But yeah, Wayno on the field guy. Who's, I mean, Wayno's it. None. Nobody. Goldschmidt. He won nothing at Arizona. Did he even make it to the playoffs? Yeah, in they, Arizona? yeah, they they did. One? yeah, they did uh, early in his career over there. But and then Arenado, nothing. I mean, have not won. Uh, I think there's a real uh, Contreras won uh, title with the Cubs. Yeah, that's a good 16. point. Yeah, forgot about forgot about Wilson um, because his offensive numbers beg that you forget about him <laughs> right now. Such a great <laughs> signing. He'll be fine, I think. Yeah, yeah but he, uh, he needs to quit trying to hit singles to the right side. So it's pulling the ball. fine. Um, I think there's something to be said about knowing how to win and knowing 
knowing how to win or knowing? Ooh, I see Ooh, what you did there. Yeah, do you like that? Uh, but but knowing how to win and preparing yourself to win, I think you could probably you know add to that about what what it means to have somebody on your team that knows that. I just think you know uh, it would go back to the authenticity of the leadership if you're getting talked to from somebody who's been there done that it, I, it goes a lot farther than if somebody's giving a rah-rah speech you know there's quality and uh i don't even know if this is a word it's, it's genuine because they've done it maybe they had a, a big game situation right. they know how to this is what i did this is how i prepared for it this is how we executed and it came down as opposed to you know somebody who granted they probably won at different levels but not at the top level so it all makes sense does it just come off as somebody giving a rah-rah speech and it falls on deaf ears or because you're not getting it from anybody in the coaching office the coaching staff what have they won willie mcgee that's it does willie talk that much though I don't think so. yeah so and then so, so who's got that personality to, to no to, there's to nobody there's i mean wilson church is fiery he's about the only one that's fiery I say Newt Bar is probably fiery, but he hasn't won anything. Right. Although he has won a World Baseball Classic championship. He has. Mm, yeah. And he uh, he's he's probably got a pepper grinder endorsement somewhere. <laughs> he did win that. But no, I mean it's a, it's a great point in sports, and that's why I think in, in any sport, veteran leadership of people that have been there, done that. You know, commentators always talk about it on games and how important it is. And I think we're as the Cardinals and the Cardinals fans are seeing firsthand right now going yeah. you know there's nobody there like we valued Molina so much or just like the Cinderella song don't know what you got till it's gone I think we all knew what we were we knew what we were losing on the field but the behind the scenes stuff yeah. that we don't see is becoming glaringly I think, obvious I think the clubhouse uh mood is is very obvious do you think they have fun or do you think like no. as soon as the game is over they did, just did, roll out did I, I saw something on Twitter yesterday did was there something come down about how like they like took the ping pong paddles or something? Surely that's not true, right? Did you see that? No, but are you telling me that like Ollie took the ping pong yeah, paddles? Yeah, yeah, I saw some of that. It came. I, maybe it was somebody just being yeah. being contrite, you know, yeah. and being smart ass. But I did see that. I'm like, oh my gosh, that surely that didn't happen. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> my dad says you don't hustle down the court and play defense. <laughs> no, that's Lou Alcindor, not Kareem. Oh, that's true. Uh, so, so Jeez. how far you know with all this going on? You know, what do you had they lost last night and got swept in that entire road trip with a day off today? Do you think something would have happened today? You know, I almost, somebody got saved by the one game win. I almost texted you that last night, saying if the sweep comes, is somebody getting fired? Is there going to be a regime change, uh, if you will, changing of management? Or managing or anything. I, I don't, don't think it's going to be a manager. I don't think it's going. Yeah, I don't know. But what do you do? Well, what's what's Mosaic's legacy if he goes through three managers since he since Tony La Russa left and they hadn't won Jack with those three managers? Bow ties. Yeah, sweet bow ties. That's about it. But I mean, honestly, I don't think I don't think you're going to see so what Ali Marmol leave in a year. Which would even beg the question: Who is to blame for this? Who is to blame for? What has become the St. Louis Cardinals? That's a front office. It's squarely on the front office. Um, not equipping. I mean, to a degree, I feel bad for Ollie. He, does, he's, he doesn't have the tools. Uh, I don't think he's a particularly great motivator of men in the first place, but he also doesn't have a lot of tools. I mean, look at what he's got in the outfield. Oh, my gosh. We've got 
our starting shortstop, second, who's really a second baseman, playing center field. You've got you know a, a, a softball DH playing left field, and you've got a third baseman playing right field. I yeah. wouldn't call these the right tools. No, I, I agree with that. But even when those people weren't in place at the beginning of the, the you know the first six weeks of the season, we weren't getting the results. That so, we like needed. I said, not a great motivator of men, but uh, don't your players that, have remember to play? at the beginning of the year where our pitching was just getting gutted, and everybody knew that pitching was a problem. Yeah, and we brought nobody in. Now we've talked at ad nauseum about how who was really available, but there's a lot of folks who. We we learned last year Steve Matz was not good, and we thought we extended him. I, I, no, we're not extended him, but hey, we now we're we're stuck with him. And yeah, then, we're stuck with him, and I, and the thought was, well, after this off season, being healthy, he'll be better. Really? Because he's not; he's worse. Um, so it's about it's about putting the right tools in the manager's hand. But the manager also, you know, they don't have a whole hell of a lot of responsibilities as a manager. Uh, get your team ready to play. But it's about motivating your players to play. And, and this idea that, well, they're professionals, the manager doesn't really have to do that. Yes, they do. They're key ingredients in making this happen and making players comfortable. And I just don't see that with this team. So how far do they have to sink before you th- before something is done? All and when I say something, I mean, you're not. I don't think you're going to see any kind of trade until next month. Next year. Next month. You said how far do they but have to it, sink? But, but they're going to ride this out. Do you see? I mean, if it continues at that same pace, do you see a change, say, in uh, hitting coach or your pitching coach? Or no, know? I I personally don't because I think they're still going to place their bet on the NL Central is so bad that they still have a fighting still chance. Only seven games out. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. So I think they're going to say, "Why would we spend big money when we're still as bad as we've been playing right now?" The NL Central. Is so bad. We're going to place our bet there, and if we make the playoffs, you can get hot or, or anything. Yeah. Which I'm, I can't fault them to a degree, but it's at the ownership. I mean, is but at some point, it. I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. And somebody posted something on that Facebook Cardinals fan page. It's like just boycott the stadium, but that'll never happen. Yeah, that's not people. Good. So I mean, what what do you? Do? I'm going twice this weekend. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if you're if you're going, I I, I don't know. Speaking I don't of that, know. Speaking of that. The Reds are in town this weekend. Yes, they and are. And they have a young player who just got called up. De La Cruz. What's his first name? Eli? E-L-L-Y? Is it it's Eli L- or Ellie? Ellie? I don't know it's Ellie. I'm going to call him Ellie. That sounds like a real like Old West name. Ellie May. Ellie May De La Cruz. Ellie May? I'm just calling what, him Ellie May. Do you think he got called up with a bonnet and they dropped that's him what off I'm in saying. a covered wagon? It's like wagon. an Old West. Like he should be on you know, <laughs> but a little I house in the prairie or something. <laughs> Uh, He's down there doing one handed push ups. This like guy's Landon. exciting, bro. Oh, I know. Did you see his first home run I, that he well, hit? The first hit he had was 112 off the bat. Did you see his home run, though? Bomb. Uh, Almost went out of the stadium. 458 feet, 114.7 off the bat. Yeah, it was a miss. And it wasn't a towering shot. No, it, it was, was a. It was a if it would have been up, drive. it would have been. It probably would have hit. Uh, where, it would have landed in Joe Brown State. Where Paul were they at? It was in Cincinnati. It was in Cincinnati. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, he yeah. Would, he would have hit it into the uh, the Bengals fifty yard line. Yeah. So so I'm ex- I'm actually excited. <laughs> I'm ex- are you more excited to go see this guy <laughs> than you are the uh, the yeah, Cardinals? I think I am because you know I mean they haven't given a lot of reason to be excited. Yeah. And so I was looking at some stats about this young man, and uh, so that home run was the longest home run 
for somebody's a player's debut home run in 15 years. Oh my gosh! And um, he's got a, a cannon for an arm. He he reminds me of uh, O'Neill Cruz. Yes. Even physically, he looks like he too. bobbled a ball. I was watching the stat when he was down in the uh, minors. Bobbled a ball and then just came back through right over the top, ninety nine point five miles an hour. It's not bad. And you know, still missile. got the out. Yes, yeah. absolute missile. Yeah, and he's I'm fast. I was watching a Reds broadcast, and this dude, he just strides. He's like a gazelle. <laughs> it's like why he doesn't. Do you remember the cartoon? Oh, you probably don't because you're too young. But no, there used to be a cartoon where the where the dog was sleeping and the it was like a mouse talking in his ear. You. Are a gazelle. <laughs> was it Howard Cassell? Because you kind just sounded like, like Howard Cassell. You right are there. a gazelle. And that's the way it was. That was Walter, Walter Cronkite. Cronkite. Gosh, nice. I'm so bad. Um, But it was just, I, I was watching him run. But it's like Rob Gronkowski sometimes. When you see Rob get open and he just runs away from players, I'm like, why is it? He doesn't look fast. Yeah, but, but Rob all Gronkowski's of a sudden, like 260 pounds. This dude's like 160 pounds. Well, yeah, well. That's true, but he's just like bounding. It's like he's at a sky zone, a trampoline park. Every time he runs, it just he picks up speed. He looks like he's on the moon, taking yeah. like bounding stuff. Absolutely. But the funniest yeah. thing I think about that whole situation is never mind the uh, the home run and all that. So I was listening to the Reds broadcast, and I don't know who their broadcaster is, but him and the color man are having a conversation, and uh, De La Cruz hit the ball, and the broadcaster just goes, "Oh my God, that ball had a family." <laughs> just, I was like that's a. I was like, how long has this guy been waiting to say yeah, that? Nice. That was great. All right. Well, so you know We all have a family, and we're all going to go uh, have a chat with them as we uh, we head into a break. So let's yeah. take a break, and we'll come in, come back, and we'll uh, see what's going on around the league. Uh, well, around the league, and then later on, shortly, uh, uh, bring in our guest, talk a little bit of youth baseball. Yeah. I'm good. excited about that. I'm really excited about that. Right on. So uh, this is 90 Feet Apart. I'm Chris. That's Kyle. Yeah, we'll be right back. Heck yeah. Hey, we're back on 90 feet apart with Chris and Kyle. Um, so, you know, let's uh, let's take a tour around the league. So, uh, obviously, the, the Redbirds, as we were talking about earlier, are uh, sitting. Not good. <laughs> well, yeah, but seven games out, not horrible. Don't, uh, no, 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 no. You can't say mm-hmm. that when a division is at. I didn't say they are not horrible or the division not horrible. I said their position right now as it relates to where they sit in the division is not horrible. Is the NL Central the worst division no. in all of sports no, no, ever? No, it's not. No, we'll get to that in a second. Oh, I um, can't so, wait. So Milwaukee and Pittsburgh are playing a little bit better ball, 6-4, and four, both of them in their last 10. Uh, you know what's ironic, though, in, in the... Alanis Morissette. <laughs> well played, sir. Uh, in the NL Central... The only team with a positive run differential, you know who it is? Is it the Cardinals? It's the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, at a is. plus one. So Ooh. they got over the hump last night with that big 1-0 victory. Uh, but all other teams are are sub in the negative in the red. It's, it's crazy. How are how are they winning? Because <laughs> they win big. That's the thing. Remember that oh, we talked yeah, about that they had a bunch four, of wins where they won yeah. real big, but, oh, scored no. a lot of runs. Okay. I was talking about the other teams. Like, how, is, how are the oh, other teams' record? Some of the games are just getting blown out. Gotcha. It's got to be. Um, so, Atlanta still, you know, pacing the NL East ahead of Miami. Boy, I tell you what, Miami, Skip Schumacher-White is probably going to win manager of the year, I think. 
I agree with that. He had a really good ejection the other week too. I know. <laughs> oh, we he did. Yeah, about, that was a good yeah, one. That was an awesome yeah. ejection, especially when hey, the ump- umpire got caught in the bold face lie. It's totally a hundred percent. I think um, at midseason we should do some projections for awards. What do you think? I'm on board with that. Right, yeah, I think they should good. win the award for the uh, best new sports podcast. We definitely. Why wouldn't we? Uh, hey, so in the in the West, your boys, your boys out there, the Diamondbacks. Have taken overtaken the 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 hated 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 L.A. Dodgers, and they're not going to look back. And uh, they've got they've, from June eighth on a game and a half lead on them. So Tampa continues to do Tampa stuff. They've widened their lead to six and a half games over Baltimore. Do you feel bad? I'm going to ask you this question. Do you feel bad for Baltimore? They finally have a really good team, and they're still six and a half games back. Because nah, they'll be a wild card. They'll be a wild card for sure. But what if they lose a one guard, one card, or the one game wild card? And you're like, God, you know, I would give anything to have Baltimore in another division right they, now. They won't, and I'll tell you why. Because they'll probably play somebody from the AL Central, which is the worst division in baseball in all of sports right now. Are they the worst division in the history of pro sports in America? Oh, I don't know. That's tough. I, I need I to do a little research on that one. That but up. but every team under 500. <laughs> Let's just move on. I don't even want to talk about it. And, I'm and embarrassed. That, that's even an even crazy stat there. So every team under 500. I threw out the Cardinals, the only ones with a plus different run differential in the NL Central. In the AL Central, the only team with a plus differential is the Minnesota, who's in Minnesota Twins, who are in first place. At plus thirty five, and they're under five hundred. You know, let's let's discuss that next show. Why? I, I just want to discuss why is there such a huge gap between some of these teams? And it's like, why can't I don't I don't get a there's a collection of five teams that are just awful, <laughs> bad. Oakland, they're they're awesome. Uh, so then have we got broke, the, have they broke twenty wins yet? No, sir, not, not even close. Oh, not even close. Uh, nope, they're at fourteen. <laughs> uh, Texas they, is pacing. More games than the Cardinals did since the last time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Texas is pacing the uh, AL West out there over Houston, and, and the Angels are fading away. And so that's just going to be the the Shohei Otani uh, sweepstakes are going to happen earlier than probably later. Uh, so yeah, Texas. Wow, they're 19 games over 500. They are a really good team, and with some injuries, I mean, Degrom going out. I mean, that is a, a really good team with the best run differential. In all of baseball. And a good manager. Yeah. Well, that happens when you hire a manager who has a lot of experience and has a pedigree of winning. Oh, is I that mean, a, he's won, what, three World Series with the with the Giants? Is that a thing? It's a thing. Bruce, Bruce Bochy? Yeah. Is yeah. that a thing? You want to mm-hmm. hire people to... You want to hire people with experience. Winners. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's, it's, uh, Do you think it, Mike Ditka could come and coach baseball? <laughs> well, he can't coach uh, junior soccer. We saw that. I'm kicking and screaming. I watched that last night. It's Give fun. me a juice box, yeah, bitch. He's addicted to coffee. And he keeps trying to hand a cigar to Will Ferrell. You know, uh, I thought that movie was underrated. Oh, I can't wait, though, till we break down sports Will movies. Will Ferrell does great sports movies. He does. Hey, so around the league, um, some things going on. So opening day starter for Toronto and top three Cy Young We award. saw him. Yeah, Alec Manoa. Struggling, struggling mightily uh, in the in the Toronto's rotation. Got sent down. He didn't even get sent down to like work it out at AAA. He got sent all the way down to their spring training facility, which is like their. I guess that's the developmental league. I guess you call that. Is that like the Arizona League fall ball type deal? It, no, Just, it's I don't. The, it's where the, is that even located at? It's in like it's in Florida. I think there's just Palm Springs or something. But wow. 
that's a that's a pretty big fall for a guy who was I mean he was a hot name last year uh, and, and you know went to Toronto and had, you know he had a good year and he has fallen from grace. He's just that bad. Yes. Yes, struggling. I mean, do so, you recall somebody falling that hard? I mean, aside from somebody like um, Rick like, Ankeel or somebody like that who just lost it completely, and he's not that way. He's just getting hit hard. I saw a diver trip on a high dive once and just kind of fall <laughs> straight down to a belly, would, belly flop. That is a complete downfall right there. Yeah. I tripped once. Yeah. That's yeah, about, so, about to say. <laughs> so Al is one to follow. I mean, it's just this is a really – it's kind of a sad situation. He's also – Really cool. I mean, he's, he's got a real gregarious personality, and he likes seeing him because he talks a lot of shit on the mound. Um, Could you explain that word? Gregarious? Yes. Outgoing. Boisterous. Can you spell it? I can. G-R-E-G-A-R-I-O-U-S. Wow. You're welcome. Uh, oh, so here's the, here's another one for the no shit column. Jacob deGrom goes on the 60-day IL, IL with another Tommy John surgery. Does that make a baker's dozen for him? Two Tommy Johns, dude. He reminds me of the super fans from uh, Saturday Night Live. I'm just having a heart attack. I don't know what you're talking about. What? No. The super fans, the Bears? Oh, yeah. Where they yeah, go yeah. around okay, having yeah. a heart yep, attack. Yep, yep. You're like, how many is that? Oh, that's a Baker's dozen. I feel like every yeah. time DeGrom goes on the 60-day DL. So, but my so, point to that whole IL. thing is, is like you're looking at that. And that, by the way, Texas didn't insure his contract. They're paying it 100%. Uh, so they didn't get uh, State Farm? Oh, they didn't get the Edwin Diaz, like oh, the same same thing that happened there. That was a smart move. Um, insure it. But but who didn't see this coming? I mean, this is a guy with a perennial history. Texas goes out, signs him to a huge deal, and doesn't insure it. I I don't know. Do you think ownership is uh, questioning now the GMs and the contracts of why they didn't made such a huge investment and not insure it? Is it like a prenup? <laughs> Maybe baseball players should sign yeah. a prenup. Well, that's what it is. I mean, your baseball prenup is, hey, don't, you know, they have those things like in the contracts. Don't go out and, you know, ride BMX bikes for a hobby and break your leg. Isn't that what happened to uh, Fernando Tatis? Didn't he? Was he ride a motorcycle or something? He got no, hurt? something like that. And then it happened to Ben Roethlisberger, too. Didn't he, like, uh, <laughs> like, in traffic, just, like, end up on somebody's trunk? Well, there's a lot of things that Ben Raplisberger ended up on. <laughs> You say rapeless for yeah. so rapeless like he didn't do it? No. Oh, like he did like do it. IS. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so maybe that's why they called him Big Ben. I think that's sad though, you know, that I mean he he that he's a very talented pitcher who is absolutely must see when he's when he's on and healthy. And now, you know, I agree. back to Tommy John, he's he's out for this year, probably next year as well. So does that beg the question that we could even talk about at another show is Maybe like you know, Hall of Fame longevity, but just sometimes a lot of good luck That's goes a, into. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and also, are we needing to redefine what a career looks like in Major League Baseball now? Right. I yeah. Let's get into that in a, another show. Yeah. How about uh, Luis Arias? Oh, I'm excited. I am pulling for this guy. And for those of you that do not know. Why is he in the news right now? I'll tell you why he's in the news right now. Because we're calling it a quest for 400. Mm. What's he at right now? 403. He yeah, went two for four right now. So Luis Arez is batting 403. What's his slugging? Because he has like... I didn't look He is up. a straight slap hitter. Like, he's the Rod Carew of baseball these days. I don't care. 
Well, Brad Caruso tripled. So, Ted that. Williams still the last player to ever bat 400? Yes, 1941, he hit 406. It's pretty solid. Yeah, it's bad. He didn't win the MVP that year. Do you think he'll break it? Do you think? He'll hit 400? Yeah. No. What do you think? 375? If he hit 375, it'd be unbelievable. That's and the last fantastic. guy to get close, I believe, was um, Tony Gwynn in, in 94 in the strike short year. I think he hit 394 that year. He check my stats on that, but I'm pretty was, sure that's right. So I was still a youngster back then. I don't remember Tony Gwynn a lot in his prime, but was he a uh, was he a power hitter? Or was he just opposite way no, doubles? He was, like he Pete was Rose? opposite field. A lot of Pete Rose was a straight singles hitter. He was the most overrated hitter in history. Um, you think so? Absolutely. Oh, that's a ballsy statement. That's uh, absolutely true. He slapped singles for 26 years, um, but it worked out for him. Okay, he stayed healthy. Is that that's what it comes down to? <laughs> um, Tony Gwynn was a witch. An absolute witch. Could hit the ball line to line. Didn't hit for he had twenty four home runs one year. Uh as a as a career high. But Is mostly wow, I yeah, figured he'd be, he, I figured he'd thirty five, forty home runs. Oh gosh, no. Well, just by looking no, at him. Never looked like he could he's, put he's, some power into well, it. Well early on he was not as portly as he was at towards the end of his career. Kinda like very but, but uh well, Barry Bond. What, he just didn't strike out. Mm. He put the ball in play. What and, a novel concept. Yeah. Uh he was fantastic. Mm. So I mean Will he get there? I don't think so. It, it, that makes you think of what what records that are out there are unattainable in baseball. Like, will never be touched again. Joe DiMaggio hit record. Yeah, I agree. Consecutive games. Oh, hit. by the way, that's why uh, Ted Williams didn't win the MVP in 1941 when he hit four or six because that was the same year that DiMaggio hit 56. And so what hit, was like, a, what was a greater what was a greater impact for their team, the DiMaggio record or um, Williams hitting four or six? Well, the Sox didn't do anything that year, so. Yeah. Isn't that a shame sometimes when good players get buried on bad teams you know, and they're not in the limelight? You know, Ted Williams hit, won the uh, Triple Crown twice and didn't win MVP either one of those years. Yeah, that's a shame. That's unbelievable. That's because they got baseball writers voting on yeah. it and not players. Do you think the MVP should be voted on by peers? I don't think writers should do shit. Except right. Yeah, because they, they sure that. don't know how to vote people in the Hall of Fame. Mm. So who's, uh, who's out that should be in? Wait a minute. We, we're, ta- we're talking on this oh. this other issue. Are you taking uh, me down a rabbit hole? Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm taking you taking down, us down a rabbit hole. That's what I yeah. do. I've had a Peter libation. Cottontail. Um, what about what about unattainable records? What about, I mean. So that's mine. What do you Cy Young. Oh, oh, my, my best, the one I'd say most modern one is uh, the career, career or season stolen base record. So... Uh, Ricky Henderson, 1,300 stolen bases. You'd have to steal 60 bases a year for 20 years straight, and you still even wouldn't be there. That's that's unbelievable. Yeah, that that's insane. It'll, well, in today's game, it'll never get touched. Right. Ever. Because even with the war. Do you think so? <laughs> do you think though? How many times though do you think he was thrown out? But these bigger bases would have benefited him. Yeah, I like don't know. bang bang. I don't, oh, that's know. Just I don't think the bigger bases help at all. I think the whole thing that helps this year and why you could steal more has a hundred percent to do with the number of engagements you can have. Mm. I mean, it's pretty obvious once somebody engages twice that you can run on the next pitch. Like the amount of engagements, of, like comparative like, to Nick, like, Nick like Cannon's Taylor. children. <laughs> oh, I was going Nick. What about uh? What's another one you think that? I like uh, Nolan Ryan's no hitters. Yeah. Seven. Well, it, not happening. Well, it won't be because there won't be anybody pitch seven complete games. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> gotta, gotta leave it. Yeah. Oh, gotta, I mean, oh, somebody throws seven career out. complete games, I'd be amazed. Uh, yeah, you know what? You are not wrong. Cy Young, 511 wins. Man. Won't happen. 
That's 25 wins a year for 200 se- or for 20 seasons. Wow. That's nuts. Do you think a uh, single-season home run record will ever be touched again, 73 Barry Bonds? Uh, no. Why? Because now they're saying the balls are juiced, shorter ballparks, it's all about power, etc. So I think it has to do with the ability of pitchers right now. Mm. Uh, pitchers have advanced in the last 10 to 15 years tremendously. Now, if they make an adjustment to, say, mound distance or mound height, I think that that opens it up to more offense. And I Would you I say actually, moving it back? Yeah. Moving the mound back, yep. the ball just gets to yeah. them? Well, so would you move it back? 62 feet, a foot? Yeah, maybe you move it back a foot. You have more time to, to make that decision. Would you lower? The, I, I would, would you lower? Of it. Would you lower the mound or move it back first? Uh, I would lower it first because that's there's precedence there with raising and lowering it. Uh, I don't think you can get it much lower though. That's the only problem. Uh, and have it be you know as effective and well not effective but just right. proper. Yeah. Whatever you do. Uh, so that would be, you know, moving it back. I I would. You know, well, Manfred has shown that he's not afraid to mess with the game a little bit, and in that's the, true. I would be okay. I mean, I just I can't stand watching it. Yes, all the strikeouts is part of approach, but it's also partly because of the pitchers and what they throw today. They sure. throw nasty stuff. They throw hard as hell, and it's very difficult to hit that. So let's do this real quick. Let's count how many different pitches are in the major leagues today of yep. what you've heard. So you got fastball, yep, slider, cut fastball. Uh, a two-seam fastball, splitter, still tone, change-up, slurve, knuckle curve, not so much a knuckleball, but a knuckle curve. Um, what else did I – what am I missing? What kind of change-ups? I mean, there's you got circle change-up. Change You've got the um, – just a pinky change-up, uh, I think is what they call it. Or nobody throws a palm ball anymore. No. I'm sure there's um, somebody out there who does. Just like there's somebody who throws a knuckleball. true. I mean, I just – what am I missing? There is a knuckleball Did you somewhere. Say, you said the slur, right? The slur. Did you say curveball? No, I didn't say. Old Uncle Charlie. So yeah. ten, just right off the top that we're naming. Them. I'm That's sure there's somebody out pitches, there. That's a dozen pitches. I mean, somebody's out there just experimenting with trying to do do something with physics. And screwball. Nobody throws that anymore. The screwball is almost a cut fastball. No, it goes the other way. No, it doesn't. Depending on how you grip the seams. No, it isn't. Yes. Screwball goes the opposite of a curveball. If you're a right-hander, nope. it goes in on the right-hander. Nope. Yes, it is. Nope. Oh my gosh, we're gonna take this off. Offline. Cause Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it, old man. All right. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> hey, speaking of like getting after it, uh, what did, did you see? You know, confrontation. Get, Pete Alonso taunting Bryce Elder the other night after he. I hit, heard hit about it, but but enlighten me on what happened. Pete I didn't a, see the highlight. Hit a bomb. But, you know, Pete Alonso is kind of a douche anyway. Well, he puts people in hospitals. Well, but no, then he gets tackled by a fifty-eight-year-old Canadian. Uh, Alonso hit a bomb off Bryce Elder. It was it was a bomb. Don't get me wrong. Um, and then kind of, as he was yelling at him, throw that to me again. You know, he's, throw that shit to me. <laughs> Bring that shit to me, man. <laughs> um, but he, he, you know, he said that a couple times to him. Throw that to me again. I'll hit it again. You know, that kind of thing. And a bunch of people were getting all heated about it. Um, Bryce Elder, they asked him about it. He's like, man, if I hit a ball that far, I'd be, I'd be talking trash too. But then I'd be like, Excuse me, I had a little air bubble. My voice sounded funny. If I was Bryce Elder, though, I'd be like, well, I'm not going to throw that pitch again yeah, because he just hit it a mile. Why yeah, would well, I do it again? Right, yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think would happen, you know, in 1965 if he, he did that, hit that home run off of Bob Gibson? What would happen? Uh, I think Gibson probably would have just pulled out a gun and shot him. <laughs> 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 Come on, Gibson, no, Gibson wasn't a, a He, he would have either hit him or it would have been thrown... It would have been thrown uh, 
high and tight. Yeah, he definitely would have got shaved, as they like to say. So, but at the same, like I said, you know, I, I don't mind. It, it's a Sports is an entertainment. I don't mind the bat flip. But uh, big moment, sure. But I don't, I just, I don't, I know I'm sounding like I can't even finish the sentence. I don't, you want to do the bat flip, fine. Go right ahead. Yeah. I don't think you need to say anything to the pitcher. Just run your bases, you know, even whatever you do on the bases. You don't need to say Say the same. Say anything to the pitcher because everybody in the ballpark knows you just hit a home run. Yeah, I don't know if it's because Bryce Elder has some kind of celebration he does after a strikeout or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't like it just because I don't like Pete Alonso. Ah, uh, so you hate the sinner, not the sin. Correct. Wait, yeah. isn't there something they tell you? Oh, never mind. I don't know. But yeah, bat flips fine. Uh, Jose Bautista, I still think has the best bat that flip was epic. ever. Uh, I, Tom Lawless. 87 you World Series. You keep going, Tom Lawless. You gotta watch it. Nobody cares about. You gotta Tom watch Lawless. it. It's classic. I think you you're just caught up in the moment that it was a guy who hit his first ever postseason home run. <laughs> he hit his first home run of the year. Period. Yeah, and then and, and maybe, I think he, hit, he only hit one like in his whole career. I think. Do you think he threw it because he thought he flew out and wasn't used to? Oh no no, no, no! You gotta watch it. It was clearly he knew what was happening. All right, all right, uh, all right. Good around yeah. the league. Hey, so let's uh let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about a topic that uh, is is really interesting uh, and it's uh, the the status of youth baseball in, yeah. in the U.S. right I'm now. And we'll have a special youth guest. Sports in general, yeah, we do have a special guest. I'm excited about it. All right, so uh, we'll be right back on 90 feet apart. All right. Hey, we're back here on 90 Feet Apart with Chris and Kyle. Um, so so one of the hot topics are, across baseball right now, you know, they this year they made a lot of rule changes, and one of those was one of the reasons was to bring in uh, more casual fans and, and also attract a younger uh, fan base. And I, baseball knows that there's, a, there's an issue with the, the young fan base, and I would also argue that that's pronounced in uh, inner-city and African-American youth that, that there's a clear issue there. I mean, this past World Series, there was not a single U.S.-born African-American player in the World Series last year. Um, so the popularity of it is on the decline, not just amongst um, uh, the the youth in general, but also uh, primarily in, in inner city. So, uh, so today we're going to kind of explore that uh, and, and some of the reasons for that. So, Kyle, uh, you got any thoughts on that as we go forward? Thoughts as in, well, restate the question. Was there a question or just baseball? No, your thoughts on, on the on the uh, status of, of how baseball is thought of in youth, where it, where it kind of racks and oh. stacks in youth, in youth sports and, and why there's not so many kids playing baseball as there used to be when we were growing you know, up. Even with baseball, I, I honestly think, uh, Chris, there's, there's an issue – Maybe issues in the world, but there's something going on just with youth sports in general. Yeah, baseball being one of them. And like I said, this I've been looking forward to this segment all week, actually, since we started uh, the show and podcast, because I've, I've seen it in uh, watching a few games that I've gone to with some of my friends that have kids that are playing. It really just kind of 
makes me scratch my head and what actually is going on. Mm-hmm. And even with the kids and um, parents and things, and just, you know, we'll talk about it uh, coming up here, and just the difference in just 15 years from when I was playing, well, not 15 years, but when I was playing, I guess 15 years, I would have been still four years out of high school. I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm older than I think I am, but when I was playing, it's like park district ball. And I love baseball as much as the next guy, but uh, there's just, just just something weird that's going on, and I don't get it. And But uh, what I did do, though, is go out and find a uh, – well, I didn't really find them. We kind of stumbled upon each other in 1996. But uh, a good friend of mine, uh, uh, Josh Paddock, we brought him in, the first guest of the show. And um, I asked him some questions about youth sports because he's got uh, three, three children that he and his wife have brought in through youth sports. Uh, baseball, they've played uh, um, football at the youth level, everything. And, you know, he's way more qualified to speak on the subject than I am, like I said, having three boys and, and going through it. So definitely want to just kind of pick his brain on what is going on out there. What is the quote-unquote select team as opposed to uh, just regular park district, city ball, Corey League, things like that. So, I mean, that's just – and I think when we see some of these numbers, because we were briefly talking yesterday – uh, we got a chance to see each other uh, play a little golf, which was fun. I think we ended up seven under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take that's pretty solid, no bogey round. But anyways, uh, and he was just briefly telling me what he had discovered so far, and I was, it's it's way more extreme than I ever thought it was. And I think when you hear some of these numbers, you're gonna you're you're gonna cry. Hey, hey, Josh. Uh, so so if you could kind of lay down where your kids have played and. And the differences between each type of league, because I mean, growing up, we I think we all played. You know, we had a city league that we played. Maybe Legion ball. When you got older, Legion was the higher level. We didn't. I, we didn't. I grew up in St. Louis. We didn't have in St. Charles actually. We didn't have a travel ball. There was one travel team. It was Ron Hunt who used to play for the Cardinals had a travel team. Was that Montclair? I don't know. What, oh, maybe that. I thought that was a higher. That's league. in Illinois. That's in Illinois County. County. Yeah. Six so. So there was uh, that that was really all there was, and you played you know you played high school ball and you played uh, legion ball and you played junior legion and you played senior legion and that was it and then you got you got, if you got signed with somebody you went uh, so it's it's different now right well I, first of all Kyle that was a very long introduction in the history of introductions so thank you I'm, I'm happy to be here with you guys <laughs> we're uh, we got to keep we got to roll tape somewhere right right <laughs> um uh, so yeah Kyle as Kyle mentioned we have three boys. Uh, we personally don't sorry, have three boys. Sorry, my wife and I have three boys. Uh, my boys play play or have played uh, football, baseball, basketball, wrestling, golf, and track and field. Uh, school teams, club teams. As far as what you guys are talking about specifically with youth sports, I think, and Kyle will tell you, I'm a long-winded, I'm a wordy guy. I, I, I don't think this is a singular issue with a singular problem or a singular root cause. Uh, not turn this into a politics podcast. I think a lot of it is you just look at this yeah, is just Please capitalism. don't turn it into politics. Well, I, this is just it's capitalism, right? People are going to make money. They're going to figure yeah, out a course. way how to make money on things. Uh, so I don't think it's this. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a problem with youth sports. It is a very expensive industry. Uh, and, and you guys are right. It's changed a lot as far as you know the old direct leagues, the church leagues, school leagues, whatever. Uh, they've kind of gone away in favor of this pay-to-play model. But from our experience and what I've seen, even that pay-to-play model, there's still different levels. Uh, our experience with our boys, they started playing Corey League when they were seven, eight years old. And we had a really bad experience. 
uh, it, it wasn't a bad experience as far as, well, my kid's not going to play, so we're going to go somewhere else, because you see that a lot in your sports. It was, there's not enough people to coach. There's no equipment. Yeah. There's no uniforms. There's no practice time. Uh, or they were only getting to play maybe eight or nine games in the summer. So when we first started with our boys playing in, people call it select ball, travel ball. I call it dad ball, uh, because it's whatever dads are dumb enough to fork over the money for their kids to play. Sure. Uh, but what happened was a couple of the dads who had coached on my oldest son's Corey League team got together with some of the parents and said, hey, next year we want to start our own team just so we, we can avoid these issues. And which to me, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we, we wanted our boys to play somewhat competitively, but it wasn't, you know, we weren't chasing dreams of professional mm. careers down the road or thinking there was going to be, uh, you know, college scholarship money. It was just we wanted our boys to be able to play baseball. Uh, and unfortunately, again, going back to the idea of that was our only option. We had to play uh, or we had to pay for them to play. Uh, but I will say. Now, was that so as you form that, because, you know, doing a little research, I'm seeing a lot of this is there are teams, you establish your team and then you buy in underneath a organization as almost like a, you know, you buy into it from training facilities, from equipment, from, you know, they, they match everybody's bags and all, all that kind of stuff. But essentially, I mean, it's, it's a team you form, you put together, you coach and then you're underneath their umbrella. And then there's other teams where they have a team with their own coaching mm -hmm. staff and your kids play on that, but that's very select. Is that an accurate? Yes, and we we played in both models. Um, well, I, we live in Mascuda, so Team Mascuda was the big organization. And, and Team Mascuda is kind of a big overarching youth sports uh, league, or not league, youth sports organization. Uh, baseball, softball, wrestling, basketball, and I think now soccer. They do volleyball, too. And vo yes, and volleyball. volleyball. My daughter's played into that one. Okay. Um, so, yeah, when, when my boys played for Team Mascuda, yes, they would have you know, 8-7U, 8-U, 9-U, all the way up to 14-U, 15-U. But then my boys, two of my three boys also played for independent teams that were just, you know, singular dads or, you know, a couple of dads starting a team. Um, even with the the organization of Team Mascuda or, or other organizations I've seen, it's still pretty independent uh, at each level. You know, it's it's the same group of dads moving up. I, I say dads, I shouldn't always, not always yeah. dads, but for the most part, it's the same coaches moving up with their kids each year. Um, but there's still a lot of autonomy at each level. Uh, now, you're right, and I've seen some of the teams we played in St. Louis. Uh, there's even Rawlings teams in St. Louis. We, we played several... Uh, teams over the last couple seasons where, you know, you're looking at the sheet of who's at which tournament, and it's, you know, Rawlings, Jennings, 14U, Rawlings, Jones, whatever. Yeah. And uh, these are teams they are getting sponsored by Rawlings. They're getting money from Rawlings. Yeah, so uh, go ahead. Go. Why are those teams getting sponsored? Is it because of their skill level? They win and they support the product? Or because of maybe I'm – might get too advanced in this question, or it might be coming a couple minutes. But when I think of select teams, I think of the best of the best. These are the best kids. These are the ones that maybe I'm not saying have a shot to go D1 or anything like that. Which I know we even talked about why is D1 the end all be all, but we uh, discuss that later in the conversation. Um, it's about getting drafted and things like that. But um, when I think of select, when I come, I saw one of your kids plays, and nothing against the coaches or anything like that. But when I think of select, I think of kind of elite. I think of good playing, good coaching, and there have been a number of 
I would just say fundamental errors, case examples like, you know, as soon as you introduce the you can pick players off with your boys are playing in, I see both middle infielders standing on second base, the pitcher pitches, and there's this ginormous hole that's, you know, in the middle infield. Now, some people, oh, they're just kids. I get that, but if, if me, if, like I said, I don't have any children, but if I'm paying to play, I want my kids to be taught the proper way to play as far as fundamentals. And I was at uh, a JV baseball game not too long ago. The third baseman, there was two outs in the inning from the defensive. The third baseman uh, was holding the runner on third and creating a giant hole, you know, with a right-handed hitter up. Now, that's just fundamentals. That may, I don't know, do we take that for granted? I guess to bring it around full circle, if I'm paying, if I think something is select, you're selected because you're above the peers. Is it really select or is that just a title, like you said, pay to play? Try to suss that out. There's a very long question again. Kind of like your intro. Was there a question even in there? Uh, yes. What so, does the term select actually mean, and why are these other teams sponsored? Well, so that's why, like I said earlier, within that, and that's why I said travel ball is probably the best really descriptor for it, because even within that, there is a kind of a bifurcation between the ability levels and the teams. Um, so, for instance, when we would go play in some of these tournaments, there would be teams, they would divide them, they would say, you know, single A, double A, triple A. Yeah. Uh, and even with some of those quote-unquote select baseball teams like Kyle's talking about, there are teams that are still very competitive where it's tri- their tryouts for them. Well, there's tryouts for pretty much all of the teams, but there are those kind of like what he's talking about. There are those, still those upper echelon teams mm-hmm. where it's the best of the best from you know a given county, given city, given geographical area. So those teams are still there. Uh, but typically, when they when they're in tournament play, they're grouped. Those types of teams are grouped into the same correct, bracket, correct, and play against each other. Correct, yeah, they're grouped correct. together. Uh, even like so, for my boys, they played in a in a league. It was called Sisbol, uh, Sisbol Southern Illinois Select Baseball League. Right. So even within that league, uh, they had a, I think they called I think it was American and National. There's still yeah, kind yeah. of a separate volleyball has split. the exact same setup. Um, so kind of getting to Kyle's point, there is still that kind of that separation between the really good, really competitive teams and then what 20, 30 years ago when we were kids, you know, that's kind of what has taken over the role of rec ball, Corey League, whatever. Well, I think it's, you know, when we were kids, that so that elite team was the all-star team. <laughs> and the all-star team advanced forward in the Little League World Series brackets and moved on, and that, that's how that worked. Uh, now it's... Um, it's it's grouped from the beginning, I guess, is the difference in it. But so, can you talk about like w- what the cost is? That's the part that really interests <laughs> me. Cost is very interesting to me. I can tell you from a volleyball standpoint, depending from my daughter's playing club volleyball, I know kind of know what that cost is. I suspect it's the same. I've done a little research on some of the local baseball teams and what they cost. Um, but I'd be really interested to hear with, especially as many different sports as your kids have played in at many different levels and programs, what what the cost is. So, at the beginning when we were talking about youth sports, um, and I, I was looking up some statistics and kind of a varied range, anywhere between twenty to thirty billion dollars a year, mm-hmm. uh, youth sports in the United States. So I think that's a generous. Estimate. And that's, that's I think that's generous. probably low. That's uh, I saw something saying probably closer to seventy-five billion in the next couple of years for our personal costs. When Kyle and I first started talking about this a couple of days ago, uh, I talked to my wife and, and just kind of picked her brain. I said, you know what? Remember what it cost to play on this team? What do you think this was? Because it's always good to have that second second opinion because I don't want to overestimate things. Um, so I broke it down just for wrestling and baseball. Uh, my oldest son wrestled for eight years. Uh, eight years, kids club. 
just uh, kind of like the travel ball version of wrestling, you know, private right. kids club, and then three years at the school level. So I didn't even factor in my kids playing school sports. Uh, but I estimate that my wife and I over the last about 10 years have probably paid close to seventy-five dollars to $80,000. Yeah. And, that, and that's factoring everything. That's uh, a lot of that is cost of travel, you know, gas driving to and from places, hotels for out-of-town tournaments, food. Um, but just to kind of give it like a, a idea of where that number is actually coming from. And what, that is it, what, is that, what does that number get you from the standpoint of uh, you pay into that and what you receive is? Uh, well, that's, I mean, that's a really, that's a really broad question. Because um, it goes back to the idea of, what I always ask parents is, what's your goal for doing all of this? Yeah. You know, what you get out of it, it's it's like the idea in F- economics, you know, they say utility cost. What's the utility something has where you might not be able to gauge a value of exact dollars and cents, but you get some other benefit from it. So, Yeah, I'm not talking about the esoteric type of gains you get out of it. I'm talking about hard, okay, this pays for... Um, Entry fees to tournaments. Oh, this I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I misunderstood your for, question. Yeah. So um, what, what you you know? I, I let me give you an example. So for one of my daughters, one of my daughters' uh, teams that they play on, it's a it's a twenty five hundred dollar pay in for the volleyball mm-hmm. team for the season. With that, you get you know x now amount of uniforms. That's the entry mm-hmm. fees to all the tournaments. That's practice time mm-hmm. at the facility. That's coach the coaches paid for because all there that's not. It's not parents coaching it. It's always with volleyball. It's almost always a coach that's part of the program that coaches it. Yeah, club volleyball. But club it doesn't include like uh, any additional uniform items that you want. It doesn't include travel. It doesn't include hotels. All those things are coming out of your pocket. So that adds to your total for right. what you pay for the year. So that's kind of what I was getting. Okay, at. sorry, I, I misunderstood your question. Um, so I, I kind of broke it down for wrestling and baseball because those are the two sports that we've spent the most time with. Right. So for wrestling, for my son, for wrestling for Team Escuda, it was $100 a year, which when you hear that $100, that's nothing. You know, for my kid to wrestle for four months, okay, that's 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 nothing. Sure. So That's a low overhead sport, though. That's Yes, well. Extremely low overhead uh, sport. Yes and no. It's a low overhead sport as far as equipment. Uh, it's a high overhead sport at the youth level in terms of travel and like what you're talking about. That's not, I don't consider that overhead. That's Because I mean, that, that's coming out of your pocket, though, isn't it? Uh, that does you don't pay the travel that. stuff. Yes, the the clubs are carrying insurance. Uh, Matt, it's going to depend on most club team, most youth club wrestling teams have a pretty good relationship. And they've established coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for wrestling, we only pay a hundred dollars a year, uh, but we have to pay entry fee for every tournament. So there's twenty to twenty five tournaments a year. So what does your hundred dollars get you? Uh, that's getting coaching. That's getting the singlet, uh, the practices, the so match. The time, uniform out of it. The uniform. Um, a lot of coaching. Uh, wrestling is a very time-intensive sport. Sure. So a lot of co- you know, I mean, it's paying for the coaching from the parent standpoint, but the coaches aren't really making anything for that. That hundred dollars is really just kind of paying for their liability insurance. Uh, maybe you know whatever agreement they have with their local high school as far as facility usage. For baseball. It was kind of a range when my boys played uh, travel ball. I don't want to say select ball, because like Kyle said, it's not really select. Uh, anywhere between 500 and 2,000, depending on the team and the year. Yeah, That um, is absurd. Well, but it, it's kind of the opposite of the wrestling model, whereas yeah. with wrestling, you're only paying 100 bucks, but then you're individually paying for each tournament. With baseball, it was the opposite. That yeah. Similar to the volleyball model. That 500 to 2,000 per family or per child, 
is going towards paying all of the entry fees for tournaments, which is going to be four four hundred to a thousand, depending on the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I think Ben's team the last year when he played, I think they had three different uniforms. Practice um, baseballs. Pra- yeah, practice baseballs. You know, most kids are supplying their own equipment at this stage, but you know, the coaches might get a couple of bats. Field time. Yeah, renting field time. Um, always, usually, some sort of like end of the year party, end of the year awards, some sort of banquet. They they try to kind of whatever money's left over, they try to give it back to the families, the kids. Again, either some sort of big party, some blowout. But during that, so let's say, let's go worst case scenario. You paid, what did you say, 2000 or $2,500? Uh, 2000 I think, was the most we yeah, paid. Yeah, so let's say season. 2000 So that's the base. That's the baseline. And then you traveled to how many locations? And I mean, what was the furthest you traveled? So the good news, and that's where what I was saying before, is there's kind of those different levels. Yep. The teams my boys always played for, we were fortunate that they only really did one travel tournament. Yep. I, and I considered, like, if it was an overnight stay. Like a national. Too far, right. If it was too far to drive there and back in one day. Uh, the farthest we ever traveled, probably southern Indiana. Southern Indiana or like the Ozarks, which is still only, you know, three and a half, four hour drive. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's not you're still paying for hotels, though. But we're, yeah, again, that goes to all those ancillary costs. So we're still paying. You're paying for the gas there and back. I, the Gator, I mean, my wife and I always joked, I wish we knew how much we had spent on Gatorade alone in the last, you know, <laughs> 10 years. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, what I was going to say is some of the teams, I know some of my friends who have kids that play on some of these travel teams, they're really, truly traveling around the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gulf Shores, I know, is a destination a couple of those teams went to. Orlando. Orlando, yep. uh, Tennessee. And it's one of those things where I, I don't really regret at all that we didn't do that. Uh, I, I feel like what we did... And again, uh, you know, like what well, it goes about. back to what you said earlier about what what is your intent with this, right? You know, if you're if you're trying to put your kid out there and set them up with you know next college student athlete NCSA, if you're familiar with them at all, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, they are they are pimps, those a, guys. We I, um, I I gave them a flat no. Yeah, so we I we went with a different one other than them for my uh, older daughter, but um, if if your intent is to you know, really get them seen in order to play sports at another level or even to go get signed somewhere professionally. Sure. You want to put them in those sorts of things. If it's to be a part of a team and understand what it means to be a good teammate and go out and compete and those sorts of things, you don't have to go all over the country to do that. But I guess what's, what's really worth exploring. I think, I think we've clearly identified that uh, participation in these type of teams, whether you're playing at, you know, a mid level or you're playing at an elite level, it's expensive, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. So getting back to what we started the entire conversation with, baseball is very interested right now in getting youth in America back involved in baseball. And I would argue that the model that we have for youth sports does not lend itself well towards getting inner-city kids uh, involved in the game because they flat-out can't afford it. Um, their parents, who may work two shifts... Um, don't you know? Maybe not have the transportation to get them there in the right times. There's not facilities in those those case in in these locations that we're talking about. Um, it it is it is a game. It is a situation that has almost segregated itself, and it's 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 kind of relegated to a certain class, uh, a certain echelon of society, and and we can't get people in it. And I don't think we're going to unless Major League Baseball steps in and subsidizes. It reminds me of what you said with the price. It reminds me of a lot when I was growing up 
uh, I wanted to play hockey because, you know, hockey was awesome, wanted to play it, but the, my parents couldn't afford it just because, like you said, the ice time, and you know, it, it was just ridiculous. Hockey's an expensive sport. It, it, it is, and it's still an expensive sport. And so, like I said, so we couldn't play it. So we, we set, I didn't settle on baseball. I loved baseball because baseball was you need a stick, a ball, and a glove, and you could still go out and play. But like you said, it you said it perfectly. Now it, is, it almost like it, it just um, goes to the a certain class or – Dynamic. I don't know if that's the right word to say. It's a socioeconomic stratification right now that baseball has has married itself to. And so my question, even this, to come you know all the way around, if it costs so much to play, and it costs so much, you know, the travel, all this stuff, like Josh said, the Gatorade, the uniforms, and all that, and still with all of that, the percentage of kids that play youth baseball go to the major leagues. So, so so I'm sitting there, so what is the end goal? For the parents that invest all this money, to me, I'm looking at it, if I pay this much money and my child does not make it to the show, was it a waste? I can't say it's a waste. You build things, but like, what's the end goal of somebody's investment? So my, uh, my buddy down the street, he's got kids that are in youth soccer. It's always select, select, select. And if he doesn't play the select, he won't get picked up for the team next year. So I asked him, and it's it's fall ball, it's summer ball, it's weekends. I mean, they had a tournament on Mother's Day in Indianapolis, and it, you know, it was practices at like 9 a.m. on Sunday. His four out of five nights a week are committed to soccer for his 10-year-old and his 8-year-old. Yeah. To me, that just seems like so much. And I asked him, I said, what's the end goal? Because I was like, with all this time you're putting in, I was like, if the if your kids don't make it to Team USA – I go, what's it all for? And I don't mean it to sound like uh, don't play sports, but I guess do the cities and park districts, if they have one, need to get more involved? Because when I was a child, at, you know, 9, 10, 11, even going up to 13, 14 years old, the three games we played um, in our little park district league were enough for me because I still wanted to be a child and still do other things and not be worried about, well, i got to wake up Saturday morning and practice at that age. You know, of course, when I got into high school, yeah, I understood that um, maybe there was, you know, college uh, on the line, something to that effect. But, uh, I mean, yeah, everybody, kid, dreams of going to the show, but when you break down the numbers, I think we all know how many people actually make it to the show or even drafted. So I looked up a stat as far as that goes. Um, Only... 66% 66% of first-round draft picks, now a, it seems like a staggering number, but just players that are picked in the first round of the Major League draft, only 66 ever set foot in the show, Yeah. in the big league. Yep. 0.5% of all high school boys that play baseball are ever drafted, not even maybe even signed with their minor league team. So when yeah. those numbers are so staggering, I don't, know, I don't want to sound like, oh, don't ever let your children play sports, but what's the I get, like Josh said earlier in the conversation – what is the end goal? What are you hoping to accomplish? Yeah, so I would say we're, we, you and I are looking at it from 90 feet apart. <laughs> See what I did there? We are. Uh, I did, yeah. Is, I, that, is that our show? So now? you're looking at it from the standpoint of parents and what they're trying to get out of it. I'm looking at it from the standpoint of, hey, what's baseball trying to get out of it? Mm-hmm. And is baseball, is baseball trying to grow talent that eventually winds up in the bigs? Sure. But more so, baseball needs to look at this as growing a fan base – and you grow a fan base by growing participants. And so, Josh, how, so when you're playing in these in these tournaments that you played in with your kids, how many of those select teams were from East St. Louis? 
Uh, one season there actually was one. The Jackie Joyner Cursor Center. Jackie Joyner Cursey so, Center had one. Yeah, so not so that falls underneath the sponsorship because that you know that's that's a youth center that's sponsoring that team. Well, they would play. I mean, they would play in those tournaments. Yeah, I know. But my point is that the 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 Jackie Joyner uh, Cursey Center has a has a budget and was able to sponsor the team and ever gather a team together and put them out there. But they're not put together under the same uh, format and structure that, that most of the teams were, where it's uh, a bunch of teams, a bunch of parents paying into it, buying a team and put them out there, right? Uh, how many teams were from like Jennings or Berkeley or you know Ferguson or one of those areas? Right. Well, they're so not. That's my point. I mean, no, and, I, and I, I agree with that. And I, yeah, and that's that's been talked about for a long time. How popularity of baseball among African Americans has declined a lot in our country in the last 20 years. It's because we don't invest it collectively in those areas. Well, and I think that's that word investment. That's where I think of as, and I agree. So nobody's building these nice new baseball facilities in East St. Louis or some of these underserved communities uh, or even, and not even necessarily in East St. Louis. I mean, it, it's, it's not just a African-American versus white thing, even, you know, rural versus urban. Um, when I drew some of the, you know, drive through some of these small towns in Southern Illinois and you see these baseball fields, you know, fields like where we grew up, the now are sitting empty. So my question is, are people willing to have their taxes increased to pay for these? I'm uh, talking about Major League Baseball doing this. Well, I, I, uh, my question, I, I wonder though, why is the Major League Baseball's responsibility? It, it's not 100% their responsibility, but it's their responsibility to grow a fan base, and they can invest in areas. Let's not kid ourselves. There's a lot of profitability in Major League Baseball all across the league. Every single team has a profitability standpoint. Well, there are uh, and reinvest in their in their areas to increase that fan base to, to get participation. It, it's happening in other sports. They're doing it. So NFL is great on this. NFL is the one who's encouraging high school sports to include girls flag football and build leagues into it as a high school sport. There are ways to exercise right. your influence in the area to increase that participation right. to grow fan base. Well, let's. Let's be honest, though. For the NFL, that's PR. NFL's had to really fix their image over the last 10 years. And I, I'm not going to defend Major League Baseball because I, I think Rod Manford has probably done more to damage baseball than anybody else. But how, does a, how does a man hate the sport that he's in charge of? I don't think anybody in the United States hates Major League Baseball more than Rob Manford. That's, wow. that's a different conversation. What, <laughs> yes, it is. What I will say, um, Major League Baseball does actually spend a lot of money on these things you're talking about. They do clinics. I work, well, no. Um, I work, well, not work. I volunteer with the Mascuda Athletic Commission in Mascuda. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Kyle's talking about, like, park districts. Mascuda's weird in that we don't have a park district like most, you know, small towns in the Midwest do. Um, we have a, a parks committee, I think, that's part of our, our city government, but there's no real park district that's in, in charge of baseball fields and things like we had when we were growing up, so... About I think about 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago, a group of dads got together and they kind of just started their own nonprofit. Uh, and it started with rebuilding and fixing the fields in Chevy Park. Um, so during that time, we've actually gotten uh, a pretty sizable grant. I think it was $25,000 for Major League Baseball. Yep. Uh, we got another grant from an organization called the Baseball Tomorrow Fund. Yep. Um, so there is investment going on. That's like that. great. However... The cornfields of Mascuda is not where the diversity problem in Major League Baseball, which has zero black-born 
U.S. born players in the World Series is not going to be solved in the cornfields of Mascuda. Oh, and I, I agree with that. I, but I also think it goes to look in those local communities. Is there a clamoring for that? Are there people that want their kids to play baseball? Because I think what's happening, especially, and I don't want to keep using East St. Louis as an example, but you know, basketball and football have become a lot more popular sure. in a lot of communities. Um, I mean, and that's, that's getting a lot of different socioeconomic and, and you know, even different political issues behind it. Kyle is dying to say something. I'm sorry, <laughs> Kyle. I just want to say, um, because Chris, you talk about Major League Baseball, um, and, you know, maybe they're not doing enough as they should. Is it up to Major League Baseball or is it up to the Major League Baseball club affiliated with that town and understanding yeah, where these poverty, like, you know, stricken areas could be yeah. or the dynamics. So why, why isn't the Wits doing when more? When I say... Why I, isn't Gary Gaetti doing more? No, 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 that's what I say. Oh, when okay. I say Major League Baseball, I'm talking about that oh, the club's in town. Yeah. Not the... Actually, Gaetti is. He has his own clinic. Okay. In... I just threw his name out because he did. He has a clinic. What, where is this clinic at? In Centralia? It is in Centralia. Yeah. I mean, because Another we got Whitey place. Herzog here. I know Whitey <laughs> Herzog has done a lot for the MAC mm, from what you've yeah, told me. Has. Uh, about bringing things. So the overall question is, I guess, you know, I we could talk on this segment forever because I, I love it and I love developing, you know, the athletes of tomorrow. Um, not to, as far as, like, entertainment and trying to get the best players and opportunities uh, um, out there. But, the, you know, the overall question, how do, how do we reach these uh, individuals? How do we have a platform to stand on, even with our little podcast here? But, I mean, is it just... I don't know, like Josh said, the corrupt, I'm not going to say corruption, it's a bad word, but I do agree with him, and I, I could see you whimacing from the microphone about the current commissioner of baseball uh, doing different things, but uh, I don't know. Is the NFL the one to take, uh, follow their their lead on how they handle this, or is it different because the NFL only plays one game a week? Well, which and is not true. They play four out of seven days. Well, that's true, with the Thursday night and the Saturday game and, and all Monday. that stuff, or Monday as far I'm sorry, as far as the uh, club, uh, each team, each yeah. team each playing team. one day a week, but uh, I don't know. It's a tricky situation, but I'm well, willing to bet there's a lot of potential in baseball players out there that will never get the opportunity. Unfortunately, and that could probably be said for any sport, because there's a lot of things of opportunity being good and things like that uh, uh, can definitely um, go go into it. But uh, I guess you know. So we've talked about. All sorts of different things in this segment, which is fantastic. We'll have to have you back again soon, so yeah, we can uh, <laughs> definitely uh, um, kind of think. But I guess my overall question is: I always ask the parents, is what is the overall goal, and is the 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 value the the investment that the parents put into it? If they don't make it the show, was it was that a failure or what? I, I, I'm not to say failure. I hate to say that. So like. My friend down the street all the time, we ask him to do stuff. Well, I got soccer. We got to go out of town. We got to do this. We got to, and I'm even talking about now is monetary value is, how, I'm not going to say wasted, but how much time is committed to where the child or the family could be doing other things. But he's even said, it's like, if we miss one practice on the so-called select team, he's benched the rest of the year. You know, he doesn't get, a, they don't get an opportunity to play just because, they missed one practice, so they wanted to do a family thing or something like that. So I'm just, you know, I think with the amount of percentage of athletes, even from D1, that go to the big leagues, I just think there's too much emphasis. You, you, you're putting a lot, you are putting a lot of emphasis on the end game being playing professional. Right, and we know that. It's, but that's what you keep talking about. Right, and I know that, the, all that though, because 
is I, I don't think very many. I don't think there's very many parents that go into this with the idea that their parent, their kids are going to play professional. Have you seen a youth peewee football game in yeah, Texas? Yeah, it's absurd. I got you. They go, you know, but that's just Josh could speak I, to that. No, because, I. But I, I agree with him. I, I think it's the from the parents I've seen. It's not an emphasis on playing pro. It's an emphasis on getting a college scholarship. And, yeah. and yes, there's this huge idea of D1 or bust among parents, which is a incredibly unrealistic. Uh, B not necessary. You know, there's a lot of college scholarship money out there for yeah. people, but no, it's, I, I don't feel like for parents, most of the parents I've known, it's about going pro. It's about, they think they're going to get scholarship. Well, if yeah. I'm spending that amount of money, my kid's going pro. I'll just tell you. Well, actually, if, right you, if you're spending that amount of money, you just take that, that same investment and put it in the bank, <laughs> collect right. interest on it and pay for the scholarship, pay for the, pay for the college. Or, right. I'm, so, or I'm hiring a, <laughs> or I'm prof- or hiring a, uh, and you just send him to go play in the Dairy Queen league. Uh, right. I'm, I'm hiring him to get a hitting coach and personal stuff yeah. and then get his own things because the three of us know here, you're good and your talents are going to get you there alone. And some people are just born with it. And, uh, some people aren't. Well, Hey, Josh, thanks for being here and, and yeah, offering some insight. Absolutely. And, and don't be a stranger. No. Uh, you want to stick it. around for the next segment, too? Uh, what's the next segment? Well, we're going to go over a segment we call What the Hell. Where oh, we go, yeah. what the hell is going I, on? I would love to. That's, and uh, that's and right then we'll also we'll finish up with something called uh, All-Time Best, where we go over okay. the all-time best and whatever the topic is. Today, it's catchers. Do so. I? Okay, okay. I'll say if I, if I get a little lead time to think yeah, about it. Yeah. So we'll be right back on uh, 90 Feet Apart with Chris and Kyle and our, and our special guest, Josh. Hell, oh my God, no way, yeah, yeah. 